It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome on in to the Georgia Show. We got Rhett Womack in the comments already. Cameron Youngblood making his live debut. Can't wait to hear y'all's insight. First time listening live, dedicated podcast listener to both the Georgia Show and Bark After Dark. Hope we don't disappoint, Cam. Lionel Hutto checking in from Plant City, Florida. Big Aaron Murray fan, I can only assume. Uh, go dogs! All right, Jake Rowe, what's happening, man? Big week for uh, practice updates. And I was just thinking, you know, Georgia hasn't really had any significant injuries yet, and then Lawson Lucky gets hurt. Yeah, um, you know, high ankle sprain for him. Um, kind of fortunate that he's not caught in A.D. Mitchell land uh, where A.D. Mitchell couldn't have the tightrope surgery last year. It sounds like uh, from what everything I'm hearing that Lawson Lucky is able to have the tightrope surgery, which should bring him back a little quicker. Arian Smith had it last year. And uh, if I recall correctly, I did some digging on this, Wes. Arian Smith had his like right at the beginning of preseason camp. And he was he was probably, again, if I'm recalling it correctly, was was cleared around week two or week three. Um, but he Whoa. ended up he ended up playing, um, you know, that first uh, game in October, he ended up playing against Missouri. Um, so, you know, it's not going to be forever, but for a freshman, it's different, right? I mean, you know, Arian Smith was in year three of kind of learning that Todd Monk and offense, um, you know, Lawson Lucky is going to miss a lot of valuable time. Um, you know, this week uh, is a big camp week. I mean, they're, 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 they're starting classes back. They started back today, but this is still camp mode. This is still get better, learn, install, all that stuff. He's going to miss some time and uh, that's going to set him back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you talk about what this period of time means for a freshman, and he was an early enrollee, so he got some time to, uh, you know, soak things in and, and soak things up like a sponge. But right now, it's it's the real deal. You know, you're you're really preparing for the run up to a real game right now. So yeah, it almost seems like it could be an exponentially big setback for him. Not that he can't overcome it eventually, but this is a, a critical time. Yeah, no doubt. And then you had Pierce Sperlin, right, who, um, you know, Pierce missed pretty much 12 practices in the spring. Um, you know, he, he was hurt in the first fully padded practice that first Saturday of spring and then missed the next four weeks, um, you know, missed, uh, you know, three total scrimmages, uh, you know, there. So um, and not only that, I mean, he, he's a guy that, you know, really needed to fill out there too. So, you know, George is definitely not as deep as, as, you know, this year as they were last year at tight end. There's, there's no doubt about that. There's no questioning it. Um, you know, not even, even without the injuries, they wouldn't be, but it's in terms of experience, uh, but with the injuries, um, it, it adds a degree of difficulty there and, and further feeds into that whole idea that, that Georgia might spend some more time in three wide receiver, 11 personnel, uh, as opposed to 12 personnel that they really almost based out of last year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we heard from Oscar Delp as well, and I loved his uh, remark about everybody wants to be like Brock Bowers, but he's just trying to be the next Oscar Delp, and he's going to go a long way in this tight end room, helping its depth out. And I don't know what kind of formations or what kind of uh, platoon Mike Bobo had in mind, 
but I imagine we're definitely going to see a lot more of Oscar Delt now than we may have if Lucky didn't get hurt. Well, yeah, I mean, I still think you were going to see a ton of Oscar Delp, and I think you know that that Lucky may have may have spelled him a few more snaps a game than maybe Pierce Berlin's ready to do at this point. But um, you know, Delp and and uh, and Brock Bowers are your guys there. And what I'm really interested in, Wes, is all right. Well, you know, this shortness at the tight end room, right? Well, do you does that make you kind of take Brock Bowers out of some specialty roles that you may have used him in? You know, like we we saw practice yesterday. Um, you know, for about, you know, 12, maybe 15 minutes. I don't really do a count. I don't like to look at the clock. I try to look at the field and, uh, you know, we were watching this quick, uh, this, this quick, um, uh, like I think Kirby smart has called it the millennial Oklahoma drill. Uh, I think it's, uh, he calls it that, and it, but it's basically just kind of, they don't do it in a parking lot, <laughs> right? It's kind of a perimeter screen type deal where they're, I mean, they're really getting after it. And Brock Bowers lined up, you know, kind of beside the quarterback in the shotgun, took a swing pass. Well, you know, are, are you going to continue to maybe use him in a role like that and find creative ways to get him the football if you're kind of shorthanded at tight end? I don't know. I don't know how they're thinking about that. Maybe they don't think there's any more risk involved with that. Maybe they do. Uh, you know, these coaches kind of, you know, they got weird brains sometimes, man. I mean, it's there's just no doubt about it. I mean, Kirby – Kirby thinks that if we watched five more minutes of practice and saw that next period of them, you know, maybe working their dime defense, that maybe it might prevent them from winning a national title. These guys are pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty odd thinkers sometimes. And, uh, you know, that might be something that's on their mind. It could have a chain reaction uh, throughout some stuff. But I, I suspect since Saturday, they've known they were going to be without loss and lucky for a good little while. And uh, again, that tightrope surgery, if that is indeed what he's had, I can't confirm it, but that's what sounds like is happening. Um, that'll bring him back quicker than than you know it would otherwise, or, or they wouldn't do the uh, or they wouldn't do the surgery. Yeah, and Ad Mitchell was just kind of on the fence with that last year, right? Uh, who's there was a Tennessee receiver that had it? Was it um, Cedric Tillman? Tillman, yeah. yeah, Cedric Tillman had it, and he got right back in action. He's doing all right for himself. Um, sure. On the other side of the ball, had some questions on our board about AJ Harris working with the first team as it relates to Kamari Lassiter, and uh, pretty much shouldn't read too much into that at this point, right? No, uh, you know, listen, I think uh, honorary Dogs HQ staffer and friend of the Georgia show and Bark After Dark, Matt Godwin, um, chimed in on that one and said basically that that fastball period that Georgia was going through, you know, when we saw him with the first team is not a, a reflection of kind of first team offense, first team defense. They like to mix and match it there. Uh, and, and it's that that portion of practice is basically, you know, can a guy get a call, line up and, and play? And that is a really, really fast part of practice. They're trying to set the tempo of how they want to practice that day. It's, it's, it's a very quick period. They only did it for, I mean, Wes, maybe four minutes, three or four minutes. And, mm. and they did it so fast that they got three first three three offenses and three defenses on the field you know separately so uh you know let's I, I saw I was more impressed by what I saw out of AJ Harris when Georgia was going with that millennial Oklahoma drill because I mean I cannot remember who the receiver was um but I mean he knocked the fire at somebody I mean he just stuck and to the point he got up and and kind of you know kind of got in his feels there for a minute uh, <laughs> he was so fired up about it. Um, but but he, listen, he's going to be a really good player at Georgia. And honestly, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I think he's got plenty of talent to play cornerback. But I think if he was the kind of guy 
that would walk into Kirby Smart's office. And, I, and maybe he is. Maybe he's done this. I don't know. I think if he were to walk into Kirby Smart's office and be like, hey, coach, um, I want to be the best star I could possibly be, I think he could be an absolute freak show. I think he could be the best star, you know, that George has had. That, that, I mean, that's the Javon, but at least from a coverage standpoint, um, because he brings – you don't see a lot of – you don't see a lot of cornerbacks, you know, your home. I think uh, Todd Hartley talked about this, uh, or maybe it was Mike Bobo, but one of these guys talked about it where you've got to have a home base. Heck, it may have been even Glenn Schumann. I think it was Glenn Schumann. So I've ran through three of the four assistants we've talked to. It. But it was Glenn Schumann. It was Shu who said this. He said, you got to have a home base as a player. Well, it's very – I can't really recall. I mean, Tyreek McGee, I guess, and maybe a little bit of Mark Webb. Um that their home was at cornerback, but they played star. More often than not, it's kind of been your home's been safety and you've played star. Um, so I, I would be really interested to see if he ever got a look at that, but I still think he can be a fantastic corner as well. George's just got a lot of dudes at corner, man, a lot of dudes. Is that maybe George's deepest position group? That or inside linebacker. I mean, it's yeah, it's one or the other. Um, you know, that's – and, and you know – how how awesome is it that you're that deep at those two positions? The guy you're deep at the position that you know is going to rack up a ton of tackles and is going to call your defense, and you're deep at a at the most premium position on the field. Um, and, yeah. and let's not forget that in addition to in addition to uh, Nylon Green and and uh, AJ Harris and Dalen Everett and Daniel Harris and um, you know, Chris Peel and uh, and Kamari Lasseter, who you know could very well decide to come back next year. They're also adding the number four prospect in the entire country and the nation's number one cornerback in Ellis Robinson, who is as ready to play coming out of high school, in my opinion, as any cornerback we've seen the last few years. Yeah, we're going to get to Ellis later on in the show. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to to look at those two position groups specifically back in the secondary and at, at middle linebacker. And you think about Kirby Smart's career, obviously he played in the secondary. And think about the dudes that played for him all the way back to his Alabama days. I know he talks a ton about building up that line of scrimmage. But, it, you know, if there's a hallmark of Kirby Smart's defense, it's just having wave after wave after wave of players in those groups. And, you know, we've seen it just get better and better every year. It seems like... I keep saying it. I said it two years ago. I said it last year. Kirby Smart finally has the defense he's always dreamed of, and it just keeps getting scarier. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I know that they'd like for the pass rush to be more dynamic, but, you know, I, I'm a Denver Broncos fan. I've, I've been a Broncos fan for, you know, all the way back to the early Terrell Davis days and, and even before that. Um, you know, long story short, we had a redneck satellite dish and, you know, we got Denver affiliates and, uh, you know, for NBC, ABC, CBS, we couldn't get the locals cause we didn't have the antenna and get WALB out of Albany. Uh, but, um, or Al not, not Albany, Albany. Of course. Uh, yeah. They just didn't have the strength down there in Albany. Yeah. Albany was, was about, you know, an hour and a half away. And sometimes it was tough to pick up WALB. Uh, but you know, so I, I've always, but the Broncos won a Super Bowl on the strength of having three stud cornerbacks and, uh, and, and being really good, having a really good pass rush. I mean, they had a key to lead. They had, uh, the Roby kid that that's from Georgia and played at Ohio state. Um, and then they had the, um, and then they had, uh, I think his name was also AJ Harris. Um, or I can't remember something Harris. 
Uh, but I remember those guys and, and those three cornerbacks, and, and when they went nickel, it was – it was lockdown, and then you put on top of that having Von Miller and Demarcus Ware. It was such a, a such a dynamic, yeah. um, shut you down. I mean, if you got a if you get ahead of a team with with those ingredients, they're done. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely done. They cannot chase points. You know, you you jump out you jump out twenty one nothing on a team like or or you you carry a fourteen point lead in the halftime, and they've got to throw to catch up. I mean, you will absolutely just you know slice their throat every time. And, uh, and and I think that's something that Georgia can can achieve, you know, with some of this young talent they've got at outside linebacker, uh, you know, with Marvin Jones, with Darius Smith, with with, uh, with with the guys that they signed this past year, Gabriel Harris and um, and Samuel Mpemba, uh, you know, uh, Damon Wilson. I mean, they they've got a lot of talent at that young talent at that outside linebacker position. They got a lot of young talent at cornerback. Now that Wes, I think if they could get those two things together at one time, would be Kirby Smart's three defense. They almost had it. I think they lost a little bit of focus in the COVID year. May have hurt them a little bit. They almost had it with that, you know, Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell yeah. and Aziz Ojalari and and you know Jermaine Johnson. I think they were close to getting that one to click. But it didn't quite get there because that that year just got so weird on them. Um, but but I think and also I think they well, they had well like four quarterbacks that year that they're right. trying to figure out. But but they were bad on defense at times that year too. Yeah. I mean you know what Florida and what, what what Florida and what Alabama did to them is is atypical of what happens to Georgia defenses. And so I think that was you know the the defense wasn't as good as it could have been. Well, Will Muschamp showed up and reminded yeah. everybody how to do it. Yeah, um, that that and they simplified some stuff. I mean, I think Kirby yeah. has come out and said that is they had rules on top of rules on top of rules um, that that Florida Dan Mullen kind of figured out how to exploit, and Alabama already knew how to exploit, and that kind of got to them a little bit. Yeah, well, when you're playing ball like that, Denver Broncos defense you mentioned, it doesn't really matter who your quarterback is, but it doesn't <laughs> hurt to have a good one, and that allowed Peyton Manning to ride off into the sunset. Brian McPhail's asking. When does Georgia make the decision on QB1 so they can get ready for the season? I mean, I, they still got some scrimmages to go. Yeah, they got one scrimmage left to go. Um, then they'll dress rehearse, and then they'll scrimmage against, you know, UT Martin, basically. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean that's, that's, that's basically what that'll be. Um, it, it just they won't have to play each other. They'll get to hit somebody else. I mean, these first two games are going to kind of be – scrimmages i don't anticipate there them being in any sort of big hurry to name a quarterback um just like i'm in no big hurry to say anything you know nice about jay groups mountain jay welcome welcome bring bill shanks this time yeah yes indeed um i'm gonna take some questions no f-bombs on the georgia show though (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna take some questions from the board and let's hop around uh, a couple about the running back position. Everyone is wondering about that right now. Backs getting dinged up. Uh, AC dog six seventeen ninety one. That's not somebody's burner. I don't know what it is. Uh, this person asks, when do you think Branson will be back? Branson Robinson, any insight to his improvements this spring and summer? Still think he's the next special running back at RBU. Um, he was in a non-contact jersey at practice the other day, right? Yeah, he was, and but he's doing drill work, and I think that's very, very, um, very positive. I think there's a good chance he's back before the end of October. Um, I think, I'm mean, sorry, before the end of September, before the start of October. 
Um, I think he's got a good chance of being back at some point in there. I mean, you know, may see him start to work in maybe around the South Carolina game. Um, you know, still a few more weeks to go. I, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. You know, it, um, you know, Smile Mund and Branson Robinson, both of them kind of have a similar foot injury from what I understand. Um, you know, they're both bearing weight and getting after it. Um, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but I think there's a, de- a definite chance that he's back before the end of October. Oh, wait, oh sorry, I, I said it again. September. Okay. So that's putting him around what is that the Auburn game maybe? Yeah, yeah, Auburn in September. Yeah, uh, not, not that I needed to be reminded. Yeah. I just wanted to I just wanted to say it. Makes me want to vomit. Um yeah, it's, it it makes me ill as well. Definitely makes me sick. All right. Look at that guy. That's Branson Robinson by the way. When he is back he looks mean. He doesn't even have his helmet on all the way, I don't think. Biceps. He's been in the weight room. Um, all right, Glenn H., big fan of the show. Do you think Roderick Robinson is RB1 as of today? If Georgia went out on the field today, no. is Roderick Robinson RB1? No, no, it's Dejon Edwards. I think Dejon Edwards will be running back one right now. I do. Um, I mean, I'm of the mind, though, personally, that I think Roderick will get some good run, especially early in the season. I think that you'll be you'll see plenty of Roderick Robinson uh, early on in the year, in my opinion. Rod Rob. <laughs> yes. I don't think I haven't thought of that already. <laughs> Rod Rob. Rod Rob. Yeah. Say Ramrod. <laughs> Ramrod. <laughs> Hey, that's uh, that's um, that's all I could think about when Rusty was at that KJ Bolden commitment, and there was an open bar. Is is you know, off, Officer Rod Farva, baby. Give me six um, blitzes. That's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. Rusty hightailed it out of there, man. At least he says he did. I don't know. I think he might have hung back. Um, I would have. I would have stuck around for the party. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I, I was impressed Absolutely. with Rusty's discipline. You I may never, have needed, I may have, I may have needed to find a room in Flowery Branch, brother. You, you never get that from a commitment, man. You don't. I mean, like the only time I can even think of something similar was like Rashad Roundtree. They had like some brunch they brought in for us. That was yeah, like, I remember that. You remember it was like in the the principal's conference room. Yeah, me and you and Jerry Hamilton. Yeah, he was yeah. With ESPN at the time. Now he's with our Texas site. I, I know Rusty was at this one when we weren't, but Sage Harden's commitment ceremony was apparently a, a first-class affair. I would there believe was, uh, there was uh There was an open bar at that one as well, and there were uh, there was uh, some steaks and some uh, <laughs> cocktail <laughs> and, and things of that nature. I mean, really really sounds like what it would be for me on death row, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish I'd have went to that one. Execute me at this kid's commitment. Um. All right, what else we got? How many sacks does Michael Williams get this year? This is from Munson's Broken Chair. Ooh. I will say – I'll just set a line. I'll say over under three and a half. Oh, over. Over? Yeah, I'm taking the over on that for sure. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I think 17 or 18. I'm cashing in on my Dana point right now. I'm just kind of – jumping in with my man right here 
Uh, no, I think I think it'll be somewhere around eight or eight to ten. Okay. Seven, maybe I really seven lowball them. I'm not in a. Yeah, I was gonna man. say I was gonna say double digits to me doesn't seem totally out of the question. Now I'm not wow. saying it's gonna be seventeen, but but ten seems doable. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why double digits. I, I think Roos. I think you're spot on here. Is unlike an outside linebacker where Georgia likes to put a guy on the field on first and second down that can play the run, and then they like to switch that guy out and get him off the field on third down and get, get a fresher body on the field, that position, Michael, is going to be on the field first and second down, and then he's going to cycle back and he's going to play a different position on third down and get matched up against guards. And I think that, that his ability to kind of rush the passer and play more snaps than those guys is going to be just massive. That and combined with the fact that there's also going to be times where he gets to come in and eat on third down because Tramiel Wilther – is is one of the nations I was I was talking to somebody about this the other day somebody I trust and they were talking about kind of about that how their metrics and how they look at things that Tramel Walther is one of the best run defenders in the country in terms of his ability to strike blockers and get off blocks I mean it's it was it was it's kind of mind-boggling to think about what he has grown into there and guys that's why he started 13 games last year I mean, you know, that, that gets forgotten. Michael started the first two. He did a really good job. But Tramel came in and started those last 13 because they're like, hey, this is our run stuffer. This guy can strike blockers and, and take up two gaps and do exactly what we want him to do. And, and I think he's going to do a lot of that dirty work. And then Michael's going to come in on second and long, third and long, uh, you know, pin his ears back and, and, you know, try to, you know, make somebody look stupid. And uh, he's going to overmatch a lot of dudes this year, too, in my opinion. I think, too, we're going to be talking about, at this time next year, we're going to be talking about Michael Williams, the way that we're talking about Brock Bowers in terms of, like, what the NFL thinks about him, where this is all headed. You know, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's going to end up on the Georgia Mount Rushmore, which we did today, but <laughs> I, think that, uh, I think that he has a chance to garner the hype based on this year that Brock's kind of getting leaning into this year based on just his level of ability. I think that Michael is a guy that is going to have – the uh, NFL drooling over him after the season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Who was the who was that defensive end that five tech that got drafted by I believe it was the Washington football team? What's their name now? Chase Young. No, he played at Alabama. At last uh, I think his last name was Allen. Oh, um is it Jonathan Allen? Yeah, it was Jonathan Allen. It was, okay. yes. There was another Jonathan Allen too, right? When there was yes. for, for yeah. Yeah, here that's that's kind of what I think he can do now. I know that's hot, lofty, you know, kind of lofty there because I believe Jonathan Allen had like 19 or 21 tackles for a loss one year. I don't know that Michael's going to do that because Georgia plays guys so much and, and they rotate so much, but I think he can he can put up a monster season, um, you know, in, in from that position like few can. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I set the number kind of low, I guess, just because based on last year, Michael – had four and a half uh-huh. uh and it's just that no name defense i don't know maybe i can't escape that 
mentality, and I think that it's just going to be spread amongst a bunch of different guys. But maybe Michael breaks out me. and just has an Aziz junior year type of type of season. It wouldn't shock me with like it wouldn't shock me if like where we look back and it's like, man, he only had three and a half, half sacks this year, but he was really good. I think he'll have more than that for yeah. the record. Yeah. Obviously. Um, all right, I'll hop into all right. Here's Dogstradamus. What is something Georgia could currently do that it has not already done that would solidify us as a dynasty? I mean, I think the three peat is, is the most easy answer. I guess if that's not what you're looking for, winning winning three titles in four years, if it doesn't work out this year, I mean, they're knocking on the door of the dynasty talk right now, and yeah, they're everybody's I mean, sweetheart. I Except for Reese even, Davis, who if a Georgia fan sees him, you know, I hope you're wearing a metal hat because they're going to try to scalp you for not putting them number one overall. Uh, but other than that, man, everyone is picking the dogs. I mean, realistically, too, I, I, people listen, I, the hype is what the hype is. And so people are going to be disappointed if Georgia doesn't do it for a third straight time. But realistically, I think going back to the playoff solidifies where you are. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, um, I think that that's that's where you got to get back to. Now, it's it's tough to win there because you're going to be going up against some similarly talented teams, uh, and you know it was it got tight with OSU last year for sure. So, to me, though, getting back, keeping yourself in that hunt is base and coming off of the two national championships. I think that continues that. Personally. The only way you're getting the dynasty status in short order is you got to win it this year. I mean, yeah. even getting back, I think, you know, folks are going to say, well, you got to win three out of five. You know, that's a dynasty. <laughs> and I, I agree. I do kind of agree with that. I mean, yeah, you, but you've got a chance to get three out of five. I mean, and that goes into the overall resume. That's that's those are kind of tiebreakers when you start talking about dynasties. Right. Today. You know, you you know, you're like, hey, man, they've made the playoffs in four straight. Let's say Georgia just makes the playoff this year. And then they don't win it, but they make it next year and they win it. Well, then you start to say that, hey, that's among the best four-year runs in the history of the sport. Yes, you know yes. that that's that's where you get to with that. But I think Georgia can win it, and then they're a dynasty without question. Yeah. They're a dynasty that that lasts for the next two or three years, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and and that's the way you get there. The only other way is to like bring in Red Panda or or uh, Savannah Bananas <laughs> to do something at halftime. I mean, you know, that's, those are the things you can control. Get have, the, it's, have the Bananas play a game while the Redcoats are on the field. Yeah, I, I mean. Want, Red Panda needs to – Red Panda really, given where Georgia is as a football program right now, I agree with you. I think take it really over the top. If you put Red Panda out in front of Sanford Stadium – it would go wild. You'd probably get a louder cheer for that than anything that you're going to get at a home game this year, given how bad the schedule is. Oh, some yeah. No, I, think, I think they need to be working the phone. <laughs> I don't know if Red Panda can do grass, though. I think she's like the yeah the anti-Lionel Messi. Like she, she has to have some sort of surface down there. Fire on that thing, man. She can go get out there and chug her. <laughs> She'll get an all-terrain on that, on, that, uh, <laughs> on that unicycle, baby. Um. All right, and last one here. I'm going to have a recruiting question for you, Roos, when we wrap up the show. Nervous or excited for Bobo to be calling plays? I don't think Rose going to really answer that one. I'm excited. I mean, I don't know what I am. I mean, I just don't think a whole lot's going to change. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm not nervous at all. I kind of know what's coming. And what's coming is um, 
if it's not just an absolute five alarm grease and tire fire combined in one, one that'll melt your face off if you're within 10 feet of it, then it's going to be, we've took a step back. Mm -hmm. There won't be any consideration as to, oh man, they lost, you know, two stud offensive tackles with a lot of experience and they lost a really good receiving running back in Kenny McIntosh and they lost a big time tight end in Darnell Washington and they lost maybe the greatest quarterback in UGA history, probably the greatest quarterback in UGA history in Stetson Bennett. It'll just all be Bobo because you got to pick up where Georgia left off or you're a failure. And I just think he, I think some I think there's a contingent, and I don't think it's super small either. You know, just in talking to people, it surprised me. You know, just face to face conversations with more casual Georgia fans, it has surprised me how many people were like, "Ah, did they brought that Bobo back?" You know, um, you know. So I I don't know. I, I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, angst there. There are a lot of people waiting for that first opportunity. Yeah. Um, to kind of get after him. And, and you know, honestly, you know, I, I've said this from the jump and I'll say it again. I, I think it is a very ballsy move. There, are, I believe there are honestly coaches out there that would have probably been like, yeah, you know, that were in Bobo's situation that would be like, I don't know if I'd want this job because of the fact that, you know, coming back and, and you know, kind of leaving the way he left and, and it not working out. I, I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways this can go down where it's not as, you know, shiny for him. Um, but, but I do have confidence in him. I think he's a very good play caller, a very good um, putter together of game plans. And uh, you know, I, I think he learned a lot under Todd Munkin and the offense itself is not going to change a whole lot. I'm excited. I, I, I I'll be honest with you, pr- partly because I want to see if, Mike Bobo can prove people wrong. I, I, I think that, that that is, I think that's a, a fun storyline this year, man. Cause that's, it's going to, it can only really go one of two ways. Like you said, I mean, it's either going to be love or hate and uh, I, he's not going to get a lot of the middle ground, but if he does prove people wrong, I think that that's going to be fun to watch. And then the other part of it that excites me is to see Mike Bobo operate with the talent that he's got around him. And I think that that's what's really interesting and really intriguing about that. I know that that's kind of been talked about a lot, but to me, that's exciting because he was doing some pretty big numbers at Georgia prior with talent that is not comparable to what they have now. And so how does he operate with pieces like that? At the end of the day, I think it's probably just going to be, it's going to, I think it'll probably feel kind of milk toast a little bit because I think it's just going to be a lot of what you saw before. Well, the schedule, man, uh, keep coming back to that. The schedule is not – the make or break is going to be in the SEC championship in a playoff game. You know, if Georgia makes those, you know, maybe at Tennessee if you get in kind of a, a shootout situation. But when are they going to get tested? Like, that's what I'm really just wondering if that's going to happen. Um, you know, man, I, I got I to speak to my man Dylan Brooks here because, I, you know, Georgia – listen, Georgia was fine in the red zone last year. I'm not saying they weren't, weren't very good in the red zone. I don't think Georgia was elite in the red zone here, and I'm trying to find the number here. I'm not Palmer Toms, so give me a moment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know but, what you'd search but for. They were, good, they were great at scoring in the red zone. Um, it was just a matter of, of, you know, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and – Listen, Georgia's touchdown percentage had ranked them sixth in the SEC last year, behind Tennessee, behind Mississippi State, behind LSU, behind South Carolina, and behind Alabama. 
you know, Georgia only scored scored less than 69% of the time touchdowns in the red zone. Now, they got there a lot. They kicked 24 red zone field goals. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I think that's something Bobo could could improve upon. I've just got more concern about the quarterback position and the lack of experience there than I have yeah. anything about Bobo. Sure. Um, you know, because, you know, Hudson Mason, Bobo won a lot of games with Hudson Mason at quarterback. Sure did. In an offensive line that had one draft pick. Put up okay. a lot of points with Hudson Mason. Yeah, and and you know he he did some good things. I mean, Georgia's offense was pretty Bloody solid. Hudson with Mason. Georgia's offense was pretty good in 2010 when Aaron Murray was the starting quarterback and it was his first year. Um, you know they they did a really good job that year. They just couldn't stop anybody. Um, you know 2013 with with a senior at quarterback in Aaron Murray, they did a phenomenal job. But um, I'm just more I'm more concerned about the quarterback position I think than I am you know than I am you know Mike Bobo as the uh, as the offensive coordinator, I think he's he's proven he can do a good job, um, and and that's what this team needs. This team needs a good offense. I'm not saying it has to be elite or or you know otherworldly. I just think they have to be really good on offense. Yeah. To your point about him having the balls to come back, I think that speaks to this this narrative that he knew something was different, fundamentally different, and better about his other situations. Rusty and I talked about this over the weekend is the defense. He's got a defense that can put the nail in the coffin, and he's never had that, and Cowboy Jay brings that up. Somebody brought up in our – I think it was one of our YouTube comments that the new uh, clock rule may kind of put some handcuffs on Bobo, so that may be something to keep an eye on. I don't know how it's going to ultimately affect the game, but um, that could be a factor as well. Uh, big factor for us around here is the uh, – fine team over at bird dogs bird dogs make some resilient shorts and i'll tell you i would be wearing them right now if my uh if my baby hadn't just puked all over them moments before the show but we do love the bird dogs in all the colors and all the styles and if you go to birddogs.com right now with the checkout code dogs or just type in birddogs.com backslash dogs it's on your screen right now. Uh, you will get a complimentary hat with your checkout. It's a dry fit hat. It's pretty short. Uh, pretty short. It's pretty sweet. Pretty, uh, you know, efficient for whatever you want to do outside. You can play golf in it. And it's all yours with the checkout code DOGS, whether you're buying the Uncle Bucks, the Forest Pumps, the Derek Baggins, the – Art fart knockers, whatever you want to set, uh, check out there. I think we got the Duffy the Vampire Slayers. What did y'all get? Uh, I got the uh, I got the camo ones, and I think the Slick Rickies there. I didn't know you got camos. Oh yeah, bro. I got the I got the light blue ones and the uh, kind of charcoal um, colored ones. Uh, I also I will say I wore the polo last night. Yeah, I think it's sick, dude. I wore that's a that's an awesome shirt. I'd say the polo fits a tad bit small, um, just a little bit on the tight side for bit. the for the because I normally wear like an XL on a polo and then like a double X and a, a t shirt. Um, yeah, man, um, it's uh, it's hugging, it's a hugging. <laughs> so maybe size up a little bit, uh, but like all their products, that that lining they have in the shorts, I don't know what it is about it. If I'm not wearing bird dogs now, I want to wear like swim trunks around the house, but they're nowhere near as comfortable as bird dogs. It's just, 
I don't know how they did it. I think they had some people at NASA help them build it. Um, it's it's state-of-the-art stuff. Birddogs.com slash dogs. Get your hat. Get your shirts. Get your shorts. It is a, uh, a lovely product. All right. I told you we were t- going to talk about Ellis Robinson, and he got the highly coveted five-star-plus status at on three. What does that mean, Jake Roos? That means that he is ranked as a five-star by every major recruiting service out there. So 247, ESPN, and Rivals, as well as on three, all have him in the five-star ranking. And that's pretty rare area to be in. I think that there are 10 guys, if I'm not mistaken, that are there uh, now with Ellis in that ranking. And, um, oh, yeah, Georgia has three of the 10. Nobody else has more than one. So that's pretty impressive. Um, but Ellis, uh, I was kind of surprised he wasn't there already. The rivals ranking on him was just a little bit low. He was still their number one cornerback, but in their latest update, he climbs up the board. To me, what's really impressive about this, and you don't, it's not the case with all of these guys out there, but what's impressive to me about Ellis is that he's the number one position. He's the number one player at the position across all boards. That shows to me that in what is a pretty, what can be a pretty subjective world that, a lot of people are seeing the exact same thing. And that's uh, that's pretty scary. And I think that that's where you get into some of that rare air. You know, even with the designation of the five-star plus, it's not always the case that a guy is number one at his position across all four. The fact that this guy is, I think, really points to his future. It tells you something pretty strong about him because there's a lot of great – listen, there's – on three, I think uh, our team is the best, but there's great evaluators at all of these sites, man. And uh, I think the fact that they're all seeing the same thing and saying it's a no-brainer, slam dunk, this guy is the number one player at his position uh, really speaks to the level that Ellis Robbins is playing. And as you said earlier, Ro, uh, you know, seems pretty well prepared to come in and, and make that jump quickly. Now, he's got, an up, he's got a row to hoe with the guys ahead of him. There's no question about that. But he's going to be ready to challenge when he uh, arrives in Athens, no question about it. Yeah, I like him a lot as a prospect. I'm sorry, I was a little bit distracted by this fact that uh, somebody posted this on our board. This uh, I had to take away from from you know Ellis Robinson. You're awesome, Ellis. This James T. Yoder um, mouth breather on Twitter is trying <laughs> to say uh, that had DJ Turner made the tackle on Quinn Johnson uh, on that third and seven that Michigan wins the national championship. And his reasoning is they would have advanced and they would have beat Georgia because they beat Ohio State more than Georgia did. Mm. Um, that they want to, do they want to cross reference TCU scores there too? Um, because that's how sports works, though. It's only about your team. I don't know if the, I don't know if the TCU cross reference works. Uh, they really need to try and stop, stop people like that on Twitter. I'm cool with the trolls (laughs) and the Russian bots and things like that, but morons like him and that, that crazy person, that Sam Block or whatever his name was from Ohio State last year in the playoff. I don't know if y'all saw that cat. I mean, somebody need to put him in a rear naked choke because he (laughs) he needed, he needed a little less oxygen to the brain. He had way too much going. Um, But man, I tell you what, these big 10 folks are different, different. That's for sure. They need their own app. I get it, man. Hurt. Ellis Robinson's a stud though. Ellis Robinson. Listen, Ellis Robinson ain't going to make it easier to beat Georgia. I can promise you that. (laughs) A little more difficult. I've said it over and over again. He reminds me of like as a prospect coming out as Vernon Hargraves. And and I had the I thought the world of that kid. I thought he was amazing at Florida. It didn't quite turn out as as well for him in the NFL as I would have thought it would. Um, I think Ellis is a bigger, a bigger guy just in general. 
What do you think um, about that J.C. Horn comparison down there? Yeah, I think that's solid. Um, you yeah. know, I was never blown away with J.C. Horn in high, in college. Like, I mean, I thought he's a good cornerback, but I could understand why he's drafted so high because he ran well and his size was projectable. Um, I, I understood that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Ellis Robinson is a very, very rare talent at cornerback. I think he's got some – I think he's one of those guys that he's not quite Tyson Campbell freakish athleticism, yeah. but he's kind of in that same – you know, he's kind of in his league while also kind of having maybe a DeAndre Baker-type sensibility of play in the position, which was absolutely elite. I mean, DeAndre was a 5'11", long – um, ran well, but not super well, but just, I mean, had a natural ability to play the cornerback position like few do. And that's why he was so successful. Um, but, you know, I think Ellis kind of has a really incredible combination of those two things. And I think, too, what people don't always con- consider about Ellis, uh, although they should, um, is what whatever you think about IMG Academy, and people have strong opinions on that program, but – at the end of the day, IMG Academy is playing some of the best teams in the nation. This kid is getting tested week in and week out uh, during his season. He got tested week in and week out last year. He got uh, He's getting players – I mean, the guys he's going against in practice are as good as players anywhere in the country. So he's playing really high-level competition uh, and really honing his game. And I think that that's something that only speaks further to uh, – his ability and, and, and what he's going to be able to do at the next level. Cause he's not going to be uh, unprepared for the level of competition that he's going up against in my opinion. And the fact that he's got a two syllable first name, it fits right into Simon and Garfunkel's song. And you can just say, Hey, Ellis Robinson. <laughs> I had never thought about that, but we will. Does the same for Branson's the same way, dude. Rod Rick Roderick is not though. Roderick, you know, just, just, you gotta, no, you gotta, you gotta that. rush it a little bit. It doesn't sound quite as good. Are we allowed to call Roderick Robinson Hot Rod, or is that Hey uh, Rodriguez Rod forever? Yeah, that works. I like, me. I like Ramrod, dude. I think we call him Ramrod. Ramrod. <laughs> I mean, that's he's how he's Ram gonna Rod. be used. So yeah. Uh, last thing Ram on Ellis Robinson. There's your guy. There's your guy, Roos. Yeah, no question, man. Listen, and I, I've got something coming here soon. I've been trying to get all my thoughts out on this one, but. I'm writing a piece. Listen, we were in a different spot two months ago. And actually even about six weeks ago when I wrote a piece on, uh, you know, Fran Brown and Will Muschamp just must be out smoking cigars. It's been, it's a little different now. I mean, you know, the safety situation has changed and the the couple of guys moved on. They don't necessarily have to take a guy, but you know, the guys that they have two top 100 corners, including, I believe, I think DeMello Jones is the number two corner in the state of Georgia for the class. Um, if I'm not mistaken, really, really impressive job, man. And I'll tell you this, I have no doubt in saying this. I do not believe Ellis Robinson would be a Georgia commit if Fran Brown were not the cornerbacks coach. Hmm. Something about that guy, man. Um, message board for you, Jake Roos. Does Georgia get LJ McCray and Chris Cole? Uh, I feel a lot better about Chris Cole. I'll say that. Um, I do think that there's still the team to beat for Cole. Tennessee's going to be tough in there too. That'll be an interesting one to watch um, as it comes closer to decision time. Um, and then you look over at McCray. Man, I feel like George is in a really good spot. Everybody I've talked to seems to suggest that that's the case. Simultaneously, though, he is a Florida guy 
and the Gators have been really thick in this and were considered the favorite for a long time, if they're not still the favorite. Georgia's probably neck and neck, I would say, uh, and maybe holds a slight edge. But when it, when it's that tight for a guy, I think you always got to wonder about that. So uh, I say yes on uh, Cole, and I'll say I feel good on McCray, but because it's not happening in short order, that leaves a lot of time on the, on the clock, and uh, that may not work to Georgia's advantage. I think that they probably get one of him or Aiden Breland, though, in the end. And um, that's neither of those is a consolation prize. All right. And uh, obviously, with Georgia missing out on Williams Winery, the Mizzou NIL topic has gotten a whole new set of eyeballs on it from a lot of Georgia fans and a lot of fans who are kind of learning how this Missouri NIL deal is potentially going to shake things up a little bit in college football recruiting. Yeah, it's. I think it's a real thing, man. I do think it's given these kids a lot to think about. You're hearing Ryan Wingo's name circled a lot with Mizzou right now, too, the five-star receiver from uh, Missouri that uh, Georgia was in on for a long time. I don't – I they I still are, but I don't consider them a favorite or anything like that. But, yeah, this law is really interesting, man. I think that uh, it changes a lot, and it gives those Missouri kids a lot to think about. And – you know, for me, what's going to be interesting to see is how does Missouri's season go? And does that affect Eli Drinkwitz's, uh, you know, job status? And if it does shake that up, then what happens to these kids? And what happens with this money? And what happens with these things they're signing? And how does that all work? I don't know. And I feel like we, you know, if Drinkwitz stays, I don't think you got to worry about it. If he doesn't, if he's asked, if he's asked to leave, then what happens? I think that's a big question. And I'm pretty intrigued to see how it plays out. Um, Cause somebody at some point is going to have to fight this battle where they say you didn't live up to your end of your NIL bargain. That's coming down the pipe. We all know that. I think that eventually somebody's going to have to set a precedent and do it. Nobody yeah. wants to be that team though. Nobody wants to be the guy to do that. And so I'm just interested to see if they're able to keep everything together. Uh, ultimately, um, I don't know. I don't have the answers on that one, man. And I'm I'm as intrigued as anybody to see how it plays out. I do know this. I think Missouri getting Williams, Duaneri, and uh, and uh, Wingo is going to have a similar effect. And stick with me here in the NIL that bear bryant's trip to los angeles to see uh to to visit with coach mckay back way back when had on the sport in that area and as far as integration goes because bear bryant visited you know he knew that that you, you know usc had way so far superior athletes with with african americans and and you know white people being integrated in that whole um in that school and eventually he came back. He, he played that game. He wanted to see that Alabama was overmatched. I believe they lost by 21 points. Um, you know, they got just, just road graded. And that was a kind of a monumental, you know, moment for the sport just in terms of integration in the South uh, because Alabama did that very soon after. I mean, I think this is going to have a similar, similar effect on, on the way NIL is used because I, I, you're, you're – absolutely kidding yourself if you don't think every state in the country is not working super hard to get an nil law very similar to this one you better believe all the coaches believe every coach in in the state is calling these guys and saying we got to get this done man look at this going to be outside of the georgia gold dome with the picket sign man he's going to be 
100%. Tomahawk Dog over here in the comments says probably once he starts drawing the check, it's done deal, at least for a season, but who knows? And that's really what, at the end of the day, man, it's like, remember when we used to think that, like, the uh, the national letter of intent was, like, ironclad, and then it, th- that was able to be broken. <laughs> once lawyers get involved, man, this is this gets murky. Water. Well, the, uh, the national letter of intent is, is still kind of ironclad. You still got to get left out of it. The problem is, is the national letter of intent is they let guys out of it for the same reason that that if if this kid really wanted to push, yeah. they probably still let him out of it. I agree. That's what I'm because saying. Because nobody nobody has the balls to stick it to these kids. I agree. No, I'm saying I'm not saying they should. Sure. Um, but but you know, well, rightfully so because you're gonna listen. The PR you're going to get if you're the team that does that is going to be miserable. It's yeah. going to follow you around. Every coach in America is going to point at you. You, you're gonna, you're gonna. Whew, that's an uphill battle if ever there was one. If you're that team. And to counter the point that I just made, my own point at all is if Williams Nornary backs out of this, I mean, he could, he could serve as the, as a dentist right away and snatch every tooth out of that loss. I mean, out of that law immediately. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's like, well. You know, I mean, I mean, it just doesn't even matter. I mean, it, it, all of a sudden, kids are using Missouri, uh, in-state kids are using Missouri to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. but but also to Missouri, I mean, hit the portal. Yeah, but but I mean, listen for kids for kids who know where they want to go. How valuable will the law would like that be at Georgia or Alabama sure. or or you know somewhere like that? Like if if you're sitting there with a um, you know, somebody that's committed early, like a, a Malachi Tolliver, for instance. I'm not saying Malachi did. Starks last year. Yeah, Malachi Starks, right? Let's yeah, Malachi that's Starks. a great example. That, even, but even Malachi Tolliver, you know, like a sure. local, a sure. local kid, car dealership, come up there, sign. Hey, he's kid signed with Georgia. He's going to be up here doing this and that. I don't mean shoot. It may make him three, four, five, a thousand bucks. I don't know. Malachi Starks probably could have made a half million. Yeah, um, it's you know just all the different things he could have done around the Athens area. So yep. yeah, you're right, and and th- this is uh this is a real interesting thing to see get navigated ultimately. But you know, I mean, too, the thing about it is, at some to some degree, like I don't know, man. It's like the idea of if a guy goes there and sucks, does somebody can they get their money back out? No, I don't think they can because we're treading we're treading the finest of fine lines. Of like this is pay for play. Well, you know, like I if think you don't what's going to happen, if you don't come to Mizzou. We were never going to give you that money anyway. We didn't want right. to give you that money. You better come perform for Mizzou, or else the money was moot all along. That's where we're the gray, murky territory, man. Well, Ruse, I don't think anyone's going to take the money back from you know Williams if that happens to him. Probably I'm not, not saying it will. It, I, but, I don't think it will. But but they're gonna they're gonna withhold it from the next guy. Your bingo, exactly. 2025, 2026. They're not. Going, they're not Those are the kids the that are going to get kicked in the shorts from this because the they're going to learn their calls. lesson on it. Yeah, they're not answering the phone when Missouri calls next time. Yeah, Taco Bell is going to stop putting the sauces out for everybody to get a hold of. Somebody took all the sauces, and now they're just like, we can't put these things out no more. Perfect analogy. You know, like you I'm gotta, not gonna lie, dude. I'm not you got to keep. You got to keep. These dudes, these dudes are taking our sauces for Taco Tuesday at their own house, and uh, and it's, it's screwing some stuff up. He's going to mess it up for everybody. I got a drawer full of fire sauce right now. Hey, I, I will say this about I will say this about Williams recruitment, right? Uh, because I gosh, his his name just tongue ties me every time. I think it's going to eventually mess up my brain. Um, I, I also think a big factor in his recruitment is this whole thing like wore his crew down. Okay, like down to the nub. 
And I think ultimately it was a fatigue issue. And I think they just, they're just like, man, we're, we're not cut out for this. We're not cut out for this jet setting all across the country stuff. Let's stay close to home. Um, and it's not, listen, it's not super close to home. You've been to the Kansas City area and then tried to get to uh, Columbia. It ain't easy, but it's a lot easier than than having to go here and there and everywhere to try and, um, you know, to try and get to every game. Um, they'll be able to see him a lot more, um, you know, there in, in, in Columbia than they would most places. Yeah. Right on. All right, let's chop some wood, guys. One of y'all can take it. I'm still working on mine. <laughs> Row? Uh I had one earlier, I swear to God, and I have lost it. Oh, I, no, I, I got it. I got it. We we're talking about Mount Rushmore on the board, okay? We we're talking about Mount Rushmore of Georgia players on our board. And, uh, man, I tell you what, I don't think – there's a guy in, in Georgia lore that I think gets forgotten. Um, and, and the thing that's, that really brought it home for me was thinking about Lad McConkey, Because Champ Bailey, all right, back in, I believe it was 1998, um, had a season where he was – he averaged more receiving yards per game. I don't know if – I can't remember if he had more receiving yards than Lad McConkey did, period. But he had more receiving yards per game than Lad McConkey had as a wideout. Oh, and he was also an All-American defensive back at the same time. Um, one of the greatest seasons, I think, that gets forgotten in, uh, in Georgia history – and a guy that deserves to be on Georgia's Mount Rushmore, I would say, if you're trying to make it even offense, defense, you're picking four players. I think you got to look at Pollock and Champ Bailey on the defensive side for me, and you look at Stetson Bennett and, and Herschel Walker on the offensive side. Um, you know, I think Brock Bowers has a chance if you're keeping it two and two to usurp uh, Stetson Bennett this year. Um, but man, Champ Bailey, I, just thinking about, back about that, it got me thinking about it today. Um, having a, a you know 700 and something yards receiving in a season while also playing cornerback, playing over 100 plays a game every single Saturday. You know, now when your defense, not one player, but when your defense has to play 70, 80 plays, yeah. you're, ooh, how did they do it? Um, Champ used to do it 100 times. Champ every, and uh, uh, Georgia wasn't playing at night a lot either. They sucked and they were playing in yeah. the day a lot. So, Champ and Charlie Trippy, two really just brutally tough dogs out there playing every single play. I think Charlie Trippy played – what did he play, 90-something plays in that Rose Bowl? I don't know. I, I just remember their length in Georgia history because they just never left the field. Um, all right, I'll chop some wood about some sports docs that are on Netflix. Johnny Football, if y'all have watched that, it's okay. Uh, it's by this series that's called Untold. And they're also doing the Florida Swamp Kings that comes out a week from tonight. The Johnny Football doc didn't tell me anything that I didn't already know about Johnny Football. So I've gotten really excited about this Florida documentary on that legendary 08 team that's legendary for all the wrong reasons other than Tim Tebow. And he's probably a wrong reason to a lot of y'all watching too. Uh, I don't think we're going to learn anything that we didn't already know. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little bummed about that. So I'm chopping wood about – I just wish people would make some documentaries that actually tell us things, especially if your documentary is called Untold. I'd like to hear – maybe that's why it's called Untold is because there's a lot that's left untold. I was pretty disappointed by the Johnny Football documentary. 
I will say that I didn't know that their third string or walk-on quarterback was was providing piss for Johnny Mansell. Uh, for, for Johnny Mansell, not Mansell, he's not related to Rusty. Uh, Johnny <laughs> Mansell. Uh, but I, but the funniest part about that is you know they're doing the camera work and they're flashing to this guy and they're flashing to that guy, and I think his agent or somebody says. Um, you know, then we found out that his third string quarterback was providing piss for him and they flash over to Johnny Manziel and he's like, I mean, oh, yeah, when he, when he threw up, when he throws up the zero, yes. for how, much, how much film he watched as a pro that I was, that it was a good sport about that whole documentary. Yeah. This continually makes him look like garbage. Yeah. yeah. I hope he, uh, about it. I don't know, man. He seems like he's still got some demons for sure. So if you're, looking for a good doc- if you're looking for a good documentary, there's only one episode out so far, but telemarketers on Max. I tried, man. I couldn't get through the first five minutes. Those people make me really uncomfortable. Oh, man. That was the point, dude. It is uncomfortable as hell. You want to talk about like uh, not knowing stuff, man. That was That's a wild, wild piece. I can't yeah, wait. I, I, my man that was just stoned out of his mind in the car like in the first couple minutes of the whistleblower i was done i was like i can't watch this i was trying what to watch it? it jim so telemarketers telemarketers it's on max it's i loved it okay. i'm fascinated with it it's everything that i thought telemarketing was but i get to see it in real life so it's incredible um all right i'm chopping wood tonight about a guy that you want to talk about overlooked we mentioned some overlooked guys uh, I hated to see Richard LeCount get waived by the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Now, I understood why it happened. I get it. You know, it was not the greatest preseason showing for Richie. But Richard LeCount is a guy that I don't think people give enough credit to for the impact that he had. We hear a lot about, you know, Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle. People forget Richard LeCount was Kirby Smart's first commit when he took the job. He yeah. was the guy that got this whole ball rolling. It really, you wondered who was going to be the guy. He broke that seal quick. Richard jumped on board and said, I love Kirby over there. I always wanted to go to Georgia. Perfect marriage. And he was a Pied Piper for that class, man. Richie was one of the great Bulldogs, in my opinion, of of all time. Uh, Not maybe for on-field performance. You're not going to blow you away with stats or anything like that. But for what Richard LeCount has meant to this era, man, damn good dog badge for sure. A lot of love for Richie. Hope his next move is even better than uh, his previous ones have been. And uh, we'll be rooting for Richard LeCount for the rest of time. Go back and watch that 2017 Notre Dame game when he was a true freshman. And there is a third down that he stops Notre Dame cold. And he's a true freshman out there playing at Notre Dame. That is the play that I will always think of first. He had some other ones too, but that one was pretty strong for a true freshman on the road in that environment. Very important season too. Y'all hit like and subscribe on the Georgia Show, 8.30, right here, every Wednesday, every Sunday. Go back and watch Bark After Dark from last night. Sorry, my contact is trying to jump out of my eye. Uh, Go back and watch that from Monday night. Bill Shanks, hilarious storyteller on there. I know our uh, 478 people know about Bill. Check that out. And check us out over at dogshq.com. A lot going on over there. Uh, on our message board and some premium content too that we couldn't even talk about tonight because it is untold. We'll see you back here Sunday night. Appreciate y'all. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.